0: We heard the Apostle Paul say to us this morning, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. My dear fellow saints in God's church, Several years ago, BM, that's before the merger, when I was preaching for an Advent service at New Hope, we had a, an older teenage boy with autism at the service. His autism did not allow him to sit still, and so he walked around the church the entire service. I only became nervous when he started walking around the Christmas tree in the front of the church, around and around. I was worried that he and the tree would fall. Everything turned out fine. Next month, we are going to be starting our Jesus Cares service at the cross again. And that service is specifically designed for children, teenagers, and adults with special needs and their families. And I'm glad that we're restarting these Jesus Cares services because we are going to be specifically inviting the children and their families who take part in the Wisconsin Early Autism Project, or Weep. WEEP has been using our nursery on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings from 9.30 until noon. And what WEEP does is it brings these children that are around three to five years old with autism. And so they can work with the teachers and learn skills so that they are ready to go into the public education system in a few years. In talking with moms and grandmas who drop off their children and grandchildren, I've brought them into the sanctuary and they talk about how beautiful it is. And every one of them has commented that they have not been in a church in years. They all comment that because their children cannot be quiet and cannot sit still for the worship service, they've seen the looks, they've felt the stares, they've heard the whispers. And so they haven't been in a church in years. We at Water of Life are working aggressively to invite these families with special needs to come to our worship services. And also being as aggressive in our outreach, the families at Wisconsin Lutheran School and Shoreland Lutheran High School, and the families in the neighborhoods around our campuses. These are families who probably have not been in a church for years. And so their children are going to squirm and wiggle. Their bodies may not allow them to sit still or remain quiet for very long. The women may come with holy pants. And holy not as in sanctified, but holy as in having rips and tears because those are their expensive clothing. The guys probably don't own any ties. They may not have any dress shirts. The parents and grandparents may not speak English very well. And that's great. I pray they come. I pray that you pray that they come. We pray together that our sanctuaries are filled with noise and activity. Because we need to be honest that a quiet church is often a dying church. After all, we see in our scripture lessons today that the church is for all people. Matthew begins in writing in this section, Jesus left that place and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Well, where is the there that Jesus is leaving? The there is he's leaving Galilee in the north of the Jews. And the reason he's leaving is because of the churched people. The people that are the religious leaders of the scribes and the Pharisees that are opposing Jesus. And so Jesus and his crew head out west over toward the Mediterranean Sea. Over to the region of Tyre and Sidon. That's a 35 mile hike. And by hike I mean they are walking that. It's a several day trip. The Jews did not associate with the Gentiles of Tyre and Sidon because their religion was separating them far more than just a mere 35 miles. In his gospel, Mark in the story records that this woman was Syrophoenician. That's kind of the contemporary New Testament term for her. Matthew, though, in his gospel calls her a Canaanite woman. That's the Old Testament term for her. That term has baggage with it. The Canaanites were the ancient enemies of the Jews. That the Israelites, when they entered the promised land with Joshua, they were to eradicate the Canaanites from the promised land And these Canaanites, they were pagans. They worshiped false gods of their own making. And that's what Matthew, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is emphasizing by calling her a Canaanite. She is not the kind of woman who is just going to walk into a Galilean synagogue or church and said she approaches Jesus on the road because her life is crumbling. Matthew says, A Canaanite woman from that territory came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. A demon is severely tormenting my daughter. And this plea seems right up Jesus' alley. He loves to heal people and to drive out demons. But not this time. This time he seems to put her off. Matthew says, He did not answer her a word. Well, the ones who speak up, are the embarrassed disciples. They sound like us when we are embarrassed by unchurched people who are making us uncomfortable. His disciples came and pleaded, send her away because she keeps crying out after us. Jesus also appears to be bothered by this woman. He tells her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Here is this woman Who needs help and she's coming to the one who offers the kind of help that she needs and yet it seems like the savior of all who had come to help all people did not come to help this woman But Jesus is not being rude. We need to understand what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is pointing to this woman and his disciples to the primary mission of why he had come. He had come to first be the Messiah for the Jews and then also for the Gentiles. That mission would go later on to the Gentiles, but not necessarily through Jesus but through these very same disciples. It would come to the, to the Gentiles, just not yet. Notice this, what this woman does, though. She doesn't give up. She came and knelt in front of him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered her, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. I have come for the children of Israel. That is my messianic ministry. But again, this woman cannot be deterred. Lord, she said, yet the dogs also eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Ah, She is catching Jesus in his own words, and he loves it. She acknowledges that Jesus has come primarily for Israel, but at the same time, She says that she's okay with being a dog because all she wants are the scraps, are the leftovers that fall from the master's table, that fall from the Jews, and down to the Gentiles, like her, like Rahab the prostitute, like Ruth, like Naaman the Syrian, like widow of Zarephath. Bravo. And Jesus applauds her for her faith. Woman. Your faith is great. It will be done for you just as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. Fellow saints, did you see what Jesus is doing here? By putting her off for a little bit, he is allowing two things to happen. One, he is allowing her faith to grow and to be expressive. He is allowing her to be persistent in her faith. And secondly, he is teaching his disciples that very soon they're no longer going to be disciples, the learners. Very soon after his resurrection and his ascension, they are going to be the apostles, the ones who are sent out. And they are going to be sent out not primarily to the Jews, but primarily to the Gentiles, because Jews and Gentiles are welcome in the church. The church is for all people. She rightly cries out, have mercy on me, Lord. This is the cry of the church for all ages. We cried it out several times this morning already. Four times in the prayer, Lord, have mercy. Two times in the Gloria. We too, in saying these words, we are falling down on our knees, pleading for help from the Savior who loves to give help. We need to receive mercy so that we can then share this mercy with others because God's mercy is big enough for all. There's enough mercy for sinners and saints, Jews and Gentiles, Israelites and Canaanites, the insiders and outsiders, the liberals and the conservatives, those in the church and those who have not stepped foot inside of a church for years. We are all sinners in need of God's mercy and forgiveness. For we all need to admit that we are dogs who do not deserve to be seated at the master's table. We need to admit, like St. Paul, that we can be the top dogs. We are the chief of sinners. And then our gracious God says, no, you're no longer dogs fighting for scraps. No, you have been changed into saints, into my children through the waters of baptism. Pull up a seat at the master's table. No longer just waiting for drips, but having the full water of God's baptism poured over our heads. And if you've seen me baptize people, you know I get them wet. Like Tuesday evening when I baptized Bob Greco and his children, Luke and Cecilia, that we don't wait for crumbs, that we are seated at the master's table for the bread of life and the wine from heaven that is in his sacrament. Or as St. Paul says, no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Jesus came to be the Savior of all people, first for the Jews, but then also for the Gentiles. His mercy was spread out for all as he hung there on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, so that he could win mercy from our heavenly master for us wicked earthly dogs. Mercy for us who are holy ones and those with holy genes. Mercy for those who come to worship in the church and those who haven't been in a church in a long time. Those who come to church in their church clothes and those who come to church in their work clothes. God's mercy is for all people. Now, you who are in the church need to go out and share this mercy with those who need it, who are, who are crying out for it, who are lost, alone, afraid, depressed, distressed, disruptive, angry without it. By God's grace, We've already baptized six children and one dad this year. And by God's grace, that we pray that with our scheduled adult confirmation classes starting next next month, that we'll have more baptisms scheduled in the next few months. We trust that as God blesses his word, we are going to see more families with young, squirmy children and autistic children in our pews. So now, fellow saints, the question comes to you. How are we going to react when our church is filled with noise and activity? Are we going to be like those disciples and tell Jesus, send it away? Fellow saints, will that noise and activity bother us so much that we would rather be a quiet Aging, dying church? Or would we rather be a noisy, active, vibrant, and growing church? Pastor Klusmeyer told me the story this week of someone he knew that was a mother with five children, five children under the age of five, and every one of them boys. And if you know young children, they don't like to sit still for an entire hour, and especially if they're boys. And yet, the mother brought them faithfully to church. Can you guess what happened next? I hope you can't. She came to church, and she found an anonymous note in her mailbox. And that note read, If you can't keep your children quiet in church, then you shouldn't bring them to church. That's awful. But we need to look at our own sinful natures. Can we be equally as awful? Looks, stares, whispers, snide comments, gossip, frustration, anonymous notes. Do you think there's a better way that we can handle this? Uh, A more loving, sanctified way. As one of our members told me the other day when we were discussing this matter, he said, A church cannot be both inclusive and judgmental. To which my former seminary professor said, except for Jesus, Jesus can be both inclusive and judgmental. To which I replied, but we're not Jesus. So let's just work on being inclusive. And let's let Jesus do the judging. So fellow saints, what can you do You personally, singly, what can you do to be more inclusive to parents and grandparents? Parents and grandparents who are already struggling, who feel like everyone is looking and whispering about every noise their children make. What can you do to be more loving, caring, supportive, that shows God's mercy, that proves that you know where those parents and grandparents are because you've been there years and decades before, that demonstrates that you have received the Lord's mercy, and you want nothing more for them and their children to receive that mercy. Now, here's a couple of things you can do. You can search them out as soon as they enter the church. You can go sit by them, offer to give them help with their kids, give them assurance that what they're doing is the right thing. Bring healthy snacks and quiet toys to church with you because parents, if they're new to the church, they may not know those little check, tricks. Write a note, not a, a nasty anonymous note, but a signed note that is encouraging, that is gushing with admiration and realization that you know how hard it is. But it's all, <clears throat> it's all worth it. You know that you know that they know that this is where their children need to be because this is God's church, and God's church is for all people. Amen.